3: From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast.
4: And obviously I'd look at the monitors and see myself in Taritha, and it was really like powerful to see. And then it was only when the show came out and we started doing press and then started receiving messages from fans or um, Indian girls stopping me just expressing themselves, I kind of started realizing how groundbreaking this really is.
3: Simone Ashley marvels at what it meant to see so much representation in season two of Bridgerton. Now we get ready for a highly anticipated season three centered on Nicola Coughlin's character. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this episode of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talk to Nicola Coughlin, Simone Ashley, and Sharitha Chandran about this past season of Bridgerton, and even more importantly, what comes next. But first, our Ward Circuit Roundtable is back and discussing directing categories and also offering up our pleas to TV Academy members as nomination voting gets underway. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hey, everyone. It is the Roundtable, and it is the first day of Emmy voting. Hi, everyone. It's Michael Schneider, along with Emily Longaretta, Clayton Davis, and Jess Tenke. And the moment has arrived. I'm finally
2: here. So get
5: excited, Ew. everyone. I never I never thought this day would come.
2: <laughs> it did not come fast <laughs> enough, let's <Yeah>. be honest. <laughs> Listen, again, we're going to do this every week. Emily Longaretta, EE issues all day long. Just all day. Just then, killed it, man. And then now we, we get to anoint Michael this week. But now,
5: yeah, I was going to say. Ray
2: Michael. Seahorn, okay. her time has arrived. I will not hear otherwise. Listen, this is, this is part of my plan
3: to get Ray C. Horn to thank me on the stage at the yeah. Emmys. So let's <laughs> yeah. let's see if that
2: happens. I'm, get, I'm getting I'm getting Anna Gunn vibes right now. I feel like it's her mm-hmm. moment. It's coming. I do. I mean, she at least nomination. At minimum, minimum
3: yeah minimum.
5: Sh- yeah we're we are starting a riot if she doesn't get nominated oh, we're
3: burning this place, the
5: four man. of us
3: i am i am prepared us. to write a column where i just take
2: down the <laughs> tv academy <magazine. laughs> like a field of eight at that like you know we've we've we, i think we were like yeah six like sure whatever but a field of eight would be yeah then i would be convinced she killed someone and they know about it <laughs> yeah, and then, and right then there so has to be something that. going
5: on there yeah
2: yeah, she has um, We're
5: candidate. gonna <laughs> we'll poll every single Television Academy member. And be like, why did you not vote for her? Yeah, I need to know ex- every member's reason. Yeah, yeah.
3: Say, not only is she a fantastic actor, she does probably the more work than anyone else in this industry. I mean, just talking to her, the amount of effort that she puts into it, the workshopping that they all do, uh, just you know, the tremendous portrayal of Kim Wexler in that show. If that's not enough. She helped save Bob Odenkirk's life. So, That is true. Uh,
5: yep. Come on. A, come on. A, a living hero.
2: Yes. Like,
5: that I, deserves I, an award on its own.
2: Also, really. fun fact, I think think, at least for drama series, for sure, I think if she's nominated for director, she would be the first woman nominated for directing and acting for the same show, same year. How great would that be? It's yeah. happened in limited series a bunch of times. Obviously, Michaela Cole did it last year. But in drama, I don't think it's ever happened, yeah. especially especially in a supporting of a supporting actor that like is doing. Because Giancarlo Esposito could do it too. Little all these people directing stuff just give it to all the Better Call Saul directors.
3: Just yeah. Yeah.
2: there you go. I feel good for Better Call Saul this year. You know, I was actually talking to a friend about it, and you know, the the last time it was up for Emmys and got like. That little that shaft it, it, 2020 was rough for it because that's when it was just John Carlos Vizito. That was the year that Jonathan Banks was supposed to win, he didn't even get nominated. And then yeah. we thought we were working towards Bob winning and he didn't get nominated, and the show missed completely. So, but I, I feel like it, in a very weird way, I think Bob's heart attack really brought focus back. <laughs> we're like, guys, we are, un- we are not valuing what's here right now, right? We must love it accordingly.
3: Yeah, no,
2: I, I agree.
3: I agree. But, um, yeah, so back to the Emmy issues though, Emily is putting the finishing touches on the final Emmy extra edition of phase one, which again, have been Ooh. beats. beats Incredible.
5: I feel so good. Honestly, y'all that listening can't hear, can't see me, but it's very tired, and I look very tired. But you know what? It's all worth it. You still look so amazing. So- <laughs> you deserve an award because the way you did that was such like serenity
0: and calmness.
5: <laughs> <laughs> it was like
2: <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think I heard you curse enough. Which is, which is very surprising, but also,
5: no, I mean, you know, my, my apartment complex probably has hurt a little bit. I've been, you know, out on my balcony doing some deep breathing, which has
2: helped. Can we, can we address Murray Bartlett on the cover by the way, though?
5: Oh, we can. Um, I will say that was Ethan's first story, story cover or cover story. Wow. That's how tired I am. Yeah, um, yeah. And he did a great job. He really killed it. The cover, the photos were beautiful. And the interview was very, very good.
2: Mary Bartlett is perfection. Like, yeah, just perfection. Like there's nothing mm-hmm. like I, I, I don't even think we airbrushed it. <laughs> like, it just, yeah, <laughs> he just looks like that. <laughs>
5: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was, I was in the studio when we shot it and I was like, oh, every single photo looked good when they're coming through the system. I was like, oh, he can't think of that photo. So that's great.
2: I kind of hate him now a little bit, but
3: uh, (laughs) it's been a a great group. I mean, Quinta Brunson and you know, the list goes on, um, starting with Jason Bateman and then going down the list of all of our great cover people. And uh, our
5: last one, we won't give it away here, but Mike rolled the last, the last cover story for the final phase yeah. one. AE, so two covers a in a
2: row. Look at Mike <laughs> just writing. Okay. What, are you, what are you a journalist? <laughs> what is this? When we're not paneling, we're writing
3: stories. Oh, god. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we had our night in the writer's room uh, event uh, last week, and that was a huge mm-hmm. success. Uh, Emily killed it with her drama panel. Uh, we had you uh, killed young, it with comedy. Comedy was fun. Uh, that was 12 people or 11 or 12. I could lost count. That was a big panel. Uh, so many people that I couldn't even see all of them as I was sitting there. Like they put Tracy Oliver <laughs> way behind me and I'm like straining I mean, to try to see her and, and ask her questions. It was that was tough. But uh, and then young Joe Watterson. uh uh, doing, uh, the, the great work with, uh, limited as well. So, uh, that was a, a great evening for variety. Um, but enough. Yeah. And us.
5: speaking, well, well, <laughs> well, one more thing about yeah. us, okay. um, actually about our amazing, uh, photo team, Dan Dobrowski, yeah. who has shot all of our EE covers. Mm. He's also, he mm. also shot the, uh, he also shot the gorgeous photos for night in the writer's room, which are in your Rhea Seahorn issue and yeah. they look beautiful. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, he, he, he also did my headshot. So he's a very talented man. He yeah. knows how to catch like, <laughs> some angles. I, I, yeah, I, likewise. He's, he's very, very, very good man. Yeah. Um. So I, I do want to, uh, I think a good place to start today and looking at this preview. And by the way, time of recording, we don't know what's on the ballot. Today. We haven't done the counts because or we would have opened with that. So we don't know that yet. However, I want to talk about the, the director and writer issues were out this week. Um, and I want to ask you guys, do you think Succession is going to pull another DGA and get five <laughs> directors nominated or do you think they're really going to spread the wealth? Because I was actually mistaken because Emmy rules are not super clear. A director can only submit twice in a category for like two specific episodes, but more than two Episodes from a show can get nominated. The Emmy rules are a little like weird, weirdly unclear on that. That's why. So succession can happen like DGA and get five spots depending on how many submissions there are. And I think actually there'll be six. So in theory, they could get six if they submitted six. (laughs) Mm. I mean, that's always a possibility. It does feel like DGA was closer
3: to when succession aired. So it was a little fresher on the mind perhaps than now, but i don't know I, 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 anything's possible i suppose
2: that
5: would, I think that, would that get really, that'd be two breaking. at most that's where i'm gonna go i don't think five i think yeah. maybe yeah. two obviously the finale i think i, I just the, think the whole kit, five is like should not be allowed in my opinion <laughs> right.
2: yeah it, i mean it, 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 it would it would be it would be sad for like a squid game and yellow jackets that, yeah. have, that have really good episodes that they submitted for those and guys and Saul. And, and Saul. and Saul. and this and actually and I, uh, my heart's in a break actually i uh, it's it's a bubble Saul. so like it like there are a lot of great episodes of tv like stranger things sean levy did the dear billy episode mm-hmm. like I, that's gonna be sad and ben stiller the finale of severance oh. is the best minutes of television this year. But can we the last five to minutes?
3: 10 can Let's just expand every category to 10. Wait, what was that? Expand to 10.
6: <laughs> expand
2: <laughs> to 10.
3: How many Ground times breaking. are we
2: going to have to write that until it happens? Actually, it's it'll probably be out by the time uh, everyone's listening to this. I spoke with the head of the TV Academy and uh, said my best friend, Michael Schneider, says you guys <laughs> need to go to 10 <laughs> <laughs> nominees. And they didn't say yay nor yay or nay in that, but I think there are, I think there has to be a work towards expansion. They did say they have a record number of submissions this year. They also say that every year, so we don't know what that means. It's very vague, but yeah, we, like there isn't enough spots. Or in reality, succession five episodes of of a show would be excessive. Yeah, yeah.
3: Maybe, maybe 100%, I mean, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's always tough to sort of like put your foot down though, because it's five different directors and they all deserve their own time in the, in the sun. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it should be a show nomination and just like every director, uh, you know, is, is a part of that nomination.
2: Why does Mike have the? Like, we can fix this in seconds. Just listen to Mike.
5: Mike you. you are going to produce the Emmys in twenty twenty. Yes. That's <laughs> it. God, one
2: one director. I mean, one line. changing one, Things. Yeah, every yeah. director. One gets nomination. Every
3: director, and that way, yeah. like they're all like equal. There's no favorite. Yeah. Son- and, and and that way, there's also no hard feelings on yeah. on those shows when. You know, clearly the usually it's going to be the finale or the first episode. Whoever's yeah. directing that gets a leg up, and and so yeah. someone who directs an amazing episode four just isn't going to get that same kind of attention.
2: <laughs> uh, excuse me, Unless Sean. Let me give really. release episode four. Yeah. Thank you
3: very much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and <laughs> Ray Seahorn did episode four of Saul, so maybe it should only be episode fours. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So what else uh, um, should we
2: be looking at, uh, Clayton? Oh, so on the comedy side, uh, Bill Hader, uh, his episode of Barry, uh, uh, 710 and that episode, uh, it's the one where uh, Fuchs gets poisoned. Uh, That's his submission for comedy. I I do want to, something that's come up a lot, that I've heard over the last week, Barry's not a comedy anymore, right? Like, are we firmly on that? Like, it's not. It's. It's the darkest comedy ever of all time. (laughs) I don't think I've chuckled in quite a while. (laughs) Like, I think we're just in drama territory, but it's fine, I guess, whatever. I I can't
5: imagine. I can't imagine Only Murders not taking that for the boy from 6B.
2: I think Only Murders, well, I think it's going to win directing. I think Only Murders is, is a real shot a taking comedy series this year yeah i don't know how you i mean it could obviously hacks did that same exact thing and one directing and, and writing as well last year and didn't win in the end and i feel like maybe it needs an acting win to measure up to taking comedy but i think i really think that uh only murders in season two is about to drop in the middle of vote and uh, middle of nomination voting and all that so you know i think it's going to I think it's gonna be a really good uh, uh get. But I think Hacks is also very competitive there. And I think Chris Miller, because he's directed every episode of the after party, I'm happy for him to make the make the the play there. Uh, and that's the comedy directing side. And then you guys, yeah, so, you guys hear me. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, right. Now am coming back. Sorry. We're
3: all, I was, unstable. It was we're all right. stable. We're all just taking <laughs> it in. We're all taking it I, in. I, I I
2: hate I hate internet. <laughs> uh yeah. <laughs> I, oh, and then, and then a Mike White versus Danny Strong in limited, right? Dope sick versus White Lotus directors, yeah, mm. yeah. It's,
5: that's so tough because Mike White did wrote like he did every single episode, right? So yeah,
2: it's, yeah, he gets the entire series. Danny Strong submitted uh, the finale, People versus Purdue Pharma, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, that's another tight race. Can
5: I just talk about your bucket list moment that happened at the weekend? The real world.
2: Oh, my, my bucket list. <laughs> yeah. uh, Your Michael, me, bucket oh, list
5: my. moment. I'm sorry. Oh, I saw that oh, and I was yeah. just like, I felt so happy for you.
2: Sorry.
5: Uh, I was happy for
2: Emily because uh, for both of us, Emily, uh, Emily Longaretta and Clayton Davis are imploring the VMEs N- to vote for re- the real world homecoming New Orleans. For several reasons. It was the birth of reality television. It's never been nominated. Uh, The New Orleans Homecoming is by far the best one so far. And I got to meet them this weekend. And it was the nerdiest thing that's ever happened to me in real life. I've never fanboyed as much as I did looking at Melissa and just being like, I love you. I think you're the best. (laughs) And to know, by the way, I took pictures with Kelly, Danny, uh, Melissa, and Tokyo. Julie was sitting at a separate table. Of course she was, and I did not, and I did not say hi to her because I was like, I can't betray
5: <laughs> Melissa. Melissa's <laughs> well, is my homegirl. I, I would bow down to Julie for being reality TV gold. Oh, okay? yeah. She is, she
2: is reality TV. Gold, but they, she was sitting at a separate table and not with them, so it's very telling of this season how great it is.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: So no, I mean, no, think, no, Jamie, no Matt. So it's fine. Of course,
5: I think it's. I think it's very telling that it's. And I, I saw your story that went up too. That like it just that show really did make an impact this year. So I really hope that it does actually get some sort of, some sort of love. I mean, a nomination is not crazy in my mind at all.
2: No, it 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 shouldn't be. I mean, listen, Kardashians have never gotten nominated either. Just have to put that out there. And they were on TV for a very long time. (laughs) I I think that they could make a a play into that, into that category this year, but it's also very reality is just competitive (laughs) period. And How much longer can the RuPaul train just continue to plow through? Eventually, you know, it does right now. We talked last week about curb your enthusiasm nominated every single time uh, that it's up and eventually they look elsewhere.
3: Yeah, yeah. Maybe not yet, yeah. but you know, it's RuPaul's drag race is what now won four times. Yeah, forward and, and yeah. it's only
2: competition theory the untucked is what's going against real world and unstructured. Yeah. And now untucked is the incumbent
3: and in unstructured. So yeah. 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 I mean, reality's tough because these shows never go away. So yeah. a lot of them just keep going forever. And so there's never any room for for new blood. Every once in a while, new shows sneak in, but it's very rare and it takes years sometimes. Yeah. I mean it's a yeah. race years to get in there.
2: And if it's not untucked, by the way, I'm pretty sure they'll go selling sunset. I feel like that's like waiting to have its moment. So that's a backyard contender, right? Here's
5: my thing. If selling sunset gets over like homecoming, I'll be very upset. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I haven't watched every episode of selling sunset. Let me just say that. preface with that. But like, come on. To me, that's such a different world.
2: I mean, listen, 90 Day Fiance saved us during the pandemic. So like. That's also there for some and
5: I will, I will preview we have a great story coming in, in E about a 90 day fiance and the impact overall and how successful it is and that the ratings I mean just the rating success has never been you know valued the way that some others are. so yeah. the reality is just as com- competitive as scripted these days so maybe the challenge will make it in. I mean, you guys, you guys all know that I will like that. Will, I will bring that to my grave between that and like law and order. I'll just, that's my dream Emmys. Um, Dick Wolf presenting an award to TJ Levin. But I mean, you know, I, I'll take what I can get at this point.
2: I wrote a story for Emily this week and I swear to God, I put a line in there. It was just for Emily and it was that drama series. There are the, the entire field. There's only two former winners for drama series in the running, and that was Succession and Law and Order.
5: I <laughs> appreciate order. that. I appreciate that, Clay. I, I, I just want—I
2: wanted you to read it and go. He know. He knows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he loves me. He loves me. Uh, um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, what I guess this is. Uh, I, I always like to leave this kind of here. Our personal pleas, like the our, our like voting's open. We know twenty five thousand Academy members are listening to this right now. When it when as this episode is dropping, because they have to know what we think. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully we'll get Variety Sketch cleared out one day soon. And in terms of like cleaned up the way it should be. Yeah, I, I'll person. say it again. I think we should submit this
3: for Variety Sketch. Just the, the, our our round table. I it. mean, we would get a
2: nomination because there's only easily. Are, we are characters. Yeah. These are not real people. There's no way <laughs> this is real. But, uh, what, what are your, what are your shows that you're like, please jot this down Yeah, shows
3: or people. So shows or people. people. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Emily, do you want to start?
5: Um, yeah, I will start. It's not going to be a surprise to you guys. And it's a very tough race. And I know this, probably this may not happen, but show that not enough people have seen a person that the Emmys have never recognized Joshua Jackson and Dr. Death. That is my. He had a great performance on Peacock. I know a lot of people aren't watching Peacock, but if you have the time, check it out. A great but, performance
2: by the way i'm calling bullshit on that there's no way that was emily's answer her answer was sam waterston and i will not hear otherwise <laughs> <laughs> she lied straight to straight to all of us right that is not her answer i mean sure that's one of her answers but her answer really is sam waterston
5: you guys know my love for yeah. dr death you guys yeah. know i very very much love yeah that. i gotta
3: i i am impressed by the way that dr death like managed to re-enter the conversation since that show was yeah. on so long ago and the yeah. fact that we we are talking about dr death is that's a strong testament to their kids. I
5: mean, we had Patrick McManus at our Night on the Raiders yeah. room, the I mean, showrunner. I mean, yeah. he's not... He had,
3: yeah, he's got two shows. He's, he's doing mm-hmm. fine for himself right now.
5: I mean, yeah, remember I don't how don't upset know. she was when she didn't get the Dr. Death vinyl and, like, the bag <laughs> thing? And I was living. She got it. Oh, yeah. And then if was-
3: anyone should have gotten that. It should have been you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
5: <laughs> That's my play.
3: <laughs> All right, Jazz, what's cool. your play?
5: Oh my gosh, so many, so many. Um, girls five Ever. Uh, I love yes. Girls Five Ever yeah. and I think that just needs a lot of love. So there. I think that's also for Clayton too, right?
2: The, yeah. I, I didn't enjoy this season as much as last season, but I'm still a girls five ever lover. Always. Yeah. Uh mine are both in the same category. I'm gonna say them both because they both need to be we saw we said Ray Seahorn. You wanna put her at number one, that's fine, but two, three. In whatever order you feel like doing. Christina reaching yellow jackets. Don't you dare. Yeah. Don't you dare omit her. And Sadie Sink, Stranger Things. Like, she had the episode of the series. Oh, Best I'm acting afraid. moments of the entire series. She deserves 100%. a spot. I didn't want her to have it.
5: My humble brag is that I interviewed both of those people this week.
2: Look at you.
5: <laughs> oh,
2: they should be thanking Emily Longaretta on
5: the stage. Right.
2: <laughs> FYI, but but I but, but I also do want to say Ben Schwartz, please I, uh, podcast episode last week. He was he was great, and his episode of the after party is still gold.
3: Yeah, honestly, for song, two shots needs to needs to happen. I N- mean, name a better song this year. Name there wasn't. You can't. I mean, there, there was yeah. not. Yeah. And no. it's it's also good life lessons. You only get one shot twice. So true. yeah, so so yeah, so definitely yeah. All the after party. I mean, it's it's hard to pick just one, right? Because you start to think about others, like after party, like Ben Schwartz and and Sam Richardson and uh, Zoe Chow in that show, and Tiffany Haddish, and, and just everyone there. Um, you know, a, a small show that you know I, I really adored was Somebody Somewhere with uh, Bridget Everett, uh, which mm. is too small a show to really I think get recognized. But you know, it's it's just one of those. Great shows that uh, you know you really enjoy if you watch it. Um, I, you've heard. I, you say I, by before. the way, I, I, I
2: get I get very um, Pamela Adlon, Better Things vibes of like that could pop. Maybe not now, but it will have a moment so yeah, far down the line. Yeah, it could. Like in future seasons, um, yeah, it has like a pocket that pocket of support. I
3: think the show that like moved me more than anything else this year was Station Eleven, and. Yes, really think about that show oh. a lot. So, you know, that's, that's you know, kind of a show that people don't talk about that much, but it kind of it moved yeah. me. So, you know, again, these are, these are the ones that are kind of our left field things to, to think about. But of course, my A1 mission is <laughs> Ray
2: Sehorne. So that's our, our campaign for Ray Seahorn continues. By the way, writer uh, Patrick Somerville submitted the episode "Unbroken Circle" from Station Eleven, and I think that's a, a fringe like could definitely get in. Yeah, because Station Eleven has is also a similar pocket of support that could break through. Depends on how many nominees we get in that category because yeah. that's that's always that usually yields five. Well, next week we'll have uh, the ballots. We'll have
3: uh, the the number of uh, nominees and categories, so we'll have a lot more to dissect then. So. All right, everyone, get your pencils Here's out. to
5: hoping that they come out with 10 for each one. <laughs>
3: yes, we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> After the break, Bridgerton stars Nicola Coughlin, Simone Ashley, and Sharitha Chandran. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. Season two of Bridgerton was the streamer's number two English-language TV season ever, based on first 28 days of availability, just behind Stranger Things season four. In this edition, Simone Ashley plays Kate Sharma, whose tempestuous romance with Anthony Bridgerton, played by Jonathan Bailey, is particularly beloved by book readers.
4: I can hear you. Pardon me, my lord.
0: I never got your name. I was wondering if we'd meet again. So you
4: might discern if my wit is acceptable. My manners is genteel.
0: But you were eavesdropping.
4: It was hardly an effort, seeing as you were proclaiming your many requirements for a wife. Loud enough for the entire party to hear. You take
0: issue with my requirements?
4: I take issue with any man who views women merely as chattels and breeding stock. None of that was meant for you. Viscount Bridgerton, yes. When you manage to find this paragon of virtue, whatever makes you think she will accept your suit? Are the young ladies of London truly so easily won by a pleasing smile and absolutely nothing more? So you
0: find my smile pleasing.
4: I find your opinion of yourself entirely too high. Your character is as deficient as your horsemanship. I shall bid you goodnight.
3: Bridgerton fans were whipped into a frenzy at the news that the hit Netflix series would skip ahead of the book's timeline to feature the love story between Penelope Featherington, played by Nicola Coughlin, and Colin Bridgerton, played by Luke Newton, in season three. Variety's Angelique Jackson recently sat down with the three leading women of Bridgerton, Nicola Coughlin, Simone Ashley, and Sharitha Chandran, to recap season two, preview season three, and also discuss the impact that Bridgerton has had on fans, particularly young women and people of color, many of whom are seeing themselves portrayed in the genre for the first time. As they began chatting, Angelique started by asking about the news that Nicola, a.k.a. Penelope, would take the lead romantic storyline in season three.
7: Season three is going to be about,
1: uh, pollen. Is it? Is, is is that? Is that? It's the been name? officially Pollen because the thing is, Pollen had been around long before we were any of us were involved in and It's the you know the books are twenty years old, so mm-hmm. Pollen had been has been well established in the fandom. So I'm really following their lead.
7: What has it been like? You know the response to that. I loved your post with you know Vitamin
1: String Orchestra's Yellow. Is that is that a tease? Will that be that, part well, of? Well, that <laughs> that was um, that was Luke Newton's shout for the season. So I've just I've just followed his lead on that. But it's funny because we have a little playlist of. I think you and Johnny did it as well. Mm-hmm. I had one that was just my own, and then I was like, maybe I'll share it with you <laughs> I've had one for for a while, um, but yeah, I have a bunch of bunch of songs on there, and it really does get you excited, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like thinking about you know what you could dance to. And the thing is, I don't. I haven't read the scripts yet. I have an overview of the season, so I know broadly what's happening. But um, I think because Luke Newton is an incredible dancer. And Jack he Murphy, is. yeah. Oh my god, Jack. Jack Best. Murphy,
4: the loves
1: choreographer, Luke. loves Luke. I think he's a lot of favorite boys, but I feel like Luke is well. 100%. Up there with percent. Yeah, 100%. yeah, yeah. He's
6: pretty open about it, to be honest. Yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he is. Okay, okay, okay. He's so many tales out of
1: school. So yeah, I feel like there's gonna be a lot of dancing. But I haven't read it, so I'm not. I'm not spoiling anything. It's merely a guess.
6: I kind of think you two deserve it though. You guys didn't get to dance that much in season We've one. we had two dances two. total.
1: Yeah, two, yeah, one in season one, another in season two. So yeah. I'm excited. Mm, wow. Are you prepared for all the dancing? Is it- It's You know, Jack is so amazing, isn't he, to work he with? Is. We've all had the pleasure of working with him. And he makes it so unintimidating. Because mm-hmm. I remember going in, I didn't know I was going to dance in season two. And when I found out, and you, you dance in a formation of professional dancers, which is an intimidating thing because they're all obviously phenomenal. And you have to kind of look like you're all members of the ton. You are all equally good at this thing. So I remember walking into a dance wrestle being like, how am I going to say to him, like, I can't do this? I'm just gonna say I can't do it. I'm so sorry. And then he goes, "We're not doing it now. We're just walking it."
4: Yeah, yeah. He'll he'll like start from the down up and like strip you down. Yep. Not you know. Not here's the not, moves and what's what's it up. called it's not yeah. physically verbally. <laughs> 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 and, um, and then we'll like walk through it. Yeah. And then uh, for me anyway, it started off just on my own, um, working with Jack and then one of his lovely um, dancers and then. Mm-hmm introduced to the rest of the dancers. Then Johnny and I would start dancing together. Um, and then I remember actually, I think we were filming the Pal Mall scenes, I think, mm. Um and then we we all came together at the studios, we rapped and then we came and we did the end of episode seven, that dance. Oh yeah. Um so sometimes he'll then bring us all together. Yeah. Or we'll watch each other. I was um, meant to be
1: in that dance originally, in the script, and then yeah. like, I've written out and I was got it. I think it's so gorgeous. Aww. That whole
4: sequence. But I remember so, the Hearts so and gorgeous. Flowers balls. We when we were rehearsing it with all the cameras, we would watch everyone do their dances. Yeah. It's very
6: emotional, isn't it? When it's
1: you watch fun, yeah. people dance. Yeah, it is. It really yeah. is. And
6: mm-hmm. like often when you're filming, it's so technical, and the final experience that viewers have is not what we may necessarily mm. have. But with the dances, actually, we dance often is, do. Yeah, yeah, the, it's very they true. like play. They'll often play the music out loud, and um, if there's no dialogue, and like they do want people to watch the dance. So yeah, it's it's one of the few times that we get the viewers' experience in like live. And everyone always wants to
1: see it as well. I know when you and Johnny had your final dance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we, like, I yeah. had wrapped, I think I'd filmed my dance with Luke just just before it. And then they were like, Johnny, next. I was like, well, can we stay and see? Because you just, you want to see it happen because it really feels like the magic yeah. of watching mm-hmm. the show. It feels like it in, yeah. in real life. It's very cool.
4: You can't ever, like, when you're doing a scene that's just acting, no dancing or anything, you can kind of walk through it and yeah. kind of half-heartedly do it in, like, a rehearsal. But mm-hmm. when you're doing a dance... Even in the rehearsals, you can't help but watch because the yeah, music's on. Yeah, it's just a bit.
1: Ma- it's just a bit of Bridgerton magic. It's really special.
6: Mm-hmm.
7: Well, tell me a little bit about that Bridgerton magic. I mean, I I joke that you broke the internet, but you guys have mm-hmm. absolutely, you know, taken over uh, fans' imaginations with another, you know, season two overtaking season one as being yeah. the new biggest hit on Netflix to date. Um, and then, addition with there's there's things like you know the Bridgerton experience that people want to go and be part of the show. You know, Nicholas, since you've been here the longest, sure. what do you make of the magic of this? What what, what do you think is behind uh, the love for this series?
1: It's so hard to know. I think with anything like being a success, it's just, um, it's an alchemy. It's a mixture of just different ingredients that for some reason work together and you can never particularly put your finger on why. But I think if it boils down to anything, I think this show is about love primarily and it's about joy and celebration. There's very little cynicism in Bridgerton. And I really love a dark, moody drama. I love, you know, I have I love all different types of TV and movies, whatever. But I think there was an actual real gaping hole for something to come in that just went, you know, this is the world as we painted it. It's not, you know, it's totally anachronistic. It's its own thing. It's wild. It's going to be colourful. You're going to hear Ariana Grande. And I think the world, you know, is such a tough and challenging place at times. I think Bridgerton came at such a right moment. And then it's so amazing that, you know. These girls come in in season two and like smash it out of the park because you know there is that trepidation when it's a show that the leads are different every year. That's a big creative risk, mm-hmm. and the fact that it's worked and worked so well is is gorgeous. But we got to Theresa and I went to the British Inn experience the other night and surprised some fans. Everyone has Aww. to go. It's, it's <laughs> <honestly> amazing. amazing. <laughs> I don't know what I expected, but like the the joy coming from people and That's the effort it. they put yeah. into the the outfits and how much they committed to it. Yeah, and you're like, wow, it's amazing that our show. Like you think of us back in like our warehouse in yeah. in West London when we film, and then it's become that.
6: Like it's like you you never imagine. or the the greatest aspiration a performer or artist can have is to affect people in a positive way, to make them feel loved and to have them experience joy and have a community. And like when we went to Bridgeton experience and because of COVID, we haven't had like many interactions with fans and that's yeah. kind of the major one. And it was like right in front of us. We saw the impact our show made because yeah. you have figures. Yes. Like we've broken records, but that feels so distant from us. 100%. What matters is the people. And we got to experience that. Mm.
4: Yeah, it's a show. It really sparks your imagination, yeah. and as you were saying, it came at a time where I think everyone maybe was feeling a bit flat, and the world in itself was feeling flat. Um, and I think it is a show that's all about family, mm-hmm. all about community, as mm-hmm. Theresa was saying. And you walk away from it feeling uplifted yeah. or just really inspired. I think it it really makes people feel like there's oh, I, it's possible having love amongst, like, all these different restrictions and obstacles, especially for these characters in that society. And, yeah, the fans of the show, it's just such a warm reception and warm response, and people do really love it and enjoy it and want to dress like um, know, the people in Bridgerton so and listen to the music and feel like that Regency trans that gilded glamour yeah. <laughs> coming,
7: coming back <laughs> ladies yeah. I'll admit I have been I've been to the experience I, had, I did not bring my tiara today oh, but I come on so you okay. got
4: a tiara from the Modis? oh yeah you guys got tiaras yeah, I tiara. took back the the corgi puppy <gasps> The little stuff. Oh, stuffed, I didn't see that. There was stuffed... Yeah. Um, stuffed, stuffed. <laughs> And they were like, you can take anything you want. Take a glove, take some makeup. I was like, I just want the corgi puffy.
6: Oh my God.
7: <laughs> well, I was like, I... So yeah, you you see it, you get a chance to really yeah. experience how this this show has affected people. Um, before we dissect season two a little bit more, Nicola, I will ask you one more question about season three. Sure. How excited, nervous, prepared are you to kind of take on that lead role?
1: It's, it's really scary. It's funny when, you know, I signed up to this show back in 2019. You know, they said it's about all these different couples. So, you know, you know that's you know, there's a Colin and Penelope book, And I was like, sure, but then you don't know whether it will go beyond season one. You don't know, you know, And I was very lucky to be cast alongside Luke Newton, who's so sweet. And we have always been really invested in their relationship, and we like really root for them. But it's funny, I had a moment last night because I've been keeping the secret for so long that right before i was i because I was given the job of announcing it, which was so lovely, but that right before it I went, too scared. <laughs> I don't want like because it becomes real I, I I mean it's funny because I have you know always wanted to be an actor I started doing it when I was super young but I never saw myself as like the lead of a romantic drama that's not like it was just not on my list of things that I thought I would ever be doing so it's quite mad now to just be in that position and on one of the the biggest shows ever you know it's amazing and like someone you've been so sweet like like so supportive because it is it is feel like you know passing the baton and then I'm gonna
4: you know pass it on in turn um and you learn from each um different leads for different seasons like I Phoebe honestly has been such a rock for me and such a good friend such a good mentor an example of just a strong woman in this industry and she she really created like a safe dynamic between us where I could be vulnerable and Uh, express my doubts or my insecurities or my highs and lows and I Having that, you know, whenever I would have a break in filming, we would hang out and I would just, you know, talk to her about it and she would give me advice or vice versa. And it really helps having that because, you know, for, when when we're working, we're all so dedicated to our work yeah. and yeah. the show that you have, you know, game face on, you roll up your sleeves and you go and smash it. But, you know, we're all human at the end of the day. Totally. And yeah. I think that's what helps us deliver such authentic performances as well. Um And taking that, I just remember, I'd I'd love to... And Johnny also was a great example of that for everyone.
1: Yeah, he was. Yeah, because it's like, do you feel like captains of the ship? You know, it's like different captains Mm -hmm. every time. So, and I think it really sets a tone.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It really, really does. Hold the energy for everyone. sure.
4: And um, I think both Johnny and I just wanted to make sure we... Could, you know, as as much as they're going to do like such an amazing job on their own and they don't, you know, need need no, us but, in that it's sense, so but nice. just having a cheerleader. And it's so nice. On the side. And also, I think
1: having the continuation of the story because, you know, Bridgerton's bigger than all of us and it will pass through all of our hands. And, you know, mm. but you want to feel like you take care of it while it's mm-hmm. your baby, I guess. Yeah. yeah.
7: Well, I want to ask you about what Phoebe told you, but I want to pull on that string just a little bit that you just mentioned sure. uh, of not you know, you never thought that you would be the lead of a romantic. No. no. Um I, I think that's something that maybe <laughs> Oh totally. In I think yeah no that yeah, I, yeah, I feel yeah. You know, same this thing. is a series that allows people to be in positions and in places, people of especially people of color. Yep. Um yep. that we're not usually seen in. So kind of break down for me, you know, what it means to be a part of a show that has a lot has really broadened the range of what, you know, a romantic lead
6: looks like well, I think what's what's wonderful is that there is so many like benefits to it. I think truthfully, the show is just better because it's better to watch. It's more fun. It's more colorful. Mm-hmm. Um and it gives actors of colour opportunities that were previously inaccessible to them. And I hope that, you know, we're seeing with the Mr. Malcolm's list, forgive me, like, you know, yeah, which yeah, also yeah. feels very Bridgeton-esque in that it's sort of multiracial and um and that's exactly what we would wanted from this show, yeah. to kind of set a standard for the industry. So I think creatively it's and maybe this is very generous, and I hope Lynn Manuel Miranda forgives me, but I feel like <laughs> what Bridgeton's done for TV what Hamilton did for theatre is very much like what Bridgeton sort of done for TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, it diversifies audiences. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, my yeah. mum and I, when growing up, we would always watch, you know, Austin adaptations. But within our family friend community, who were all Indian, we were kind of the only ones. Yeah. So it, it was very much like a white genre, both on screen and off. And we see like a, a Bridgerton experience. We all went. Like we see so many yeah. people of color there. We know it's so joyful. many fans. Like it's a diverse audience as well. And the messages of a show like Bridgerton, which is everyone's deserving of love, everyone's deserving of romance, and the familial ties. The fact that such a diverse audience can see that and take on that message—that's yeah. like it, it's it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Simone, what has it what has it been like for you?
4: Yeah, I think um. Yesterday um we were doing an interview together and Trethworth said something along these lines and it it really articulated a feeling that I've had for so long and I couldn't put it into words and it it is a, a journey and I um when we were filming last year for like ten months, I, I was it was just like blinkers on. Yeah. Yeah yeah. Working with Johnny and Charithra and Nicola, the whole cast. We it was non stop. Yeah. Um so I was really engrossed in that side of it. Um and obviously I'd look at the monitors and see myself in Charithra and it was really like powerful to see. And then it was only When the show came out and we started doing press and then started receiving messages from fans or um, Indian girls stopping me just expressing themselves, I kind of started realizing how groundbreaking this really is because i i just I, yeah. I i didn't really i was just so happy to have a job as an actress and yes of course like i acknowledged like this is something that's such a shift and it's so important that both of us as dark-skinned women we're um the leads of this romantic drama but for me it was a journey to to own that and to really understand that and to be to of course i've always been proud of that but to um to know that we've all got a microphone and a platform now mm-hmm. where we can speak for the people and the people do want to see this as much as, you know, Netflix have all the subscribers and um, we're the top 10 um, most watched shows. It is the people of the world that are creating that moment for us because they're the ones tuning in. They're the ones. Um, totally.
1: Yeah, they're the ones driving yeah. it. You know, like, there's absolutely. a demand there for yeah. it. There was yeah. clearly a gap where people like really wanted to see themselves. Like you said, like Hamilton did. Yeah. Like it's no surprise that these things have become phenomenons because representation is so important.
4: And I I hope this continues and it's not just a one-off with Hamilton or Bridgerton. I hope that producers showrunners writers the powerful people within this industry that can create these shows and movies listen to that and listen to the fans and see the response that and just see what we've done and realize yeah this I think this needs to be normalized and continued within our industry Mm -hmm. um because I think I quite naively stepped into it, like, oh, like w- women are like so empowered in this industry and like women of color as well. And to be honest, like we, I think we're just getting started and we're a part of that movement. 100%. Yeah, absolutely.
7: This is it's basically I won't say we're at step one, but uh, we're, we're we're oftentimes you do recognize that we're not quite as far. As we think, oh yeah, totally. And like you said, this is this is a huge step forward. Kind of speaking to some of those messages from fans for each of you, you know, what is something someone has said to you, you know, whether it be in this last twenty four hours, as as people are talking about Bridgerton Moore or throughout your filming experience, that has really stuck with you, that has really meant a lot.
6: I mean, for me, I've seen a lot of videos and a lot of messages Mm -hmm. that are like this show is making me proud to own my culture and like Indian girls in the diaspora wearing like junkas or also pronounced jimikis which are like the specific style of Indian earrings and um, incorporating Indian clothing into like their daily wear because when I was growing up all I wanted to do was fit in when I saw, like and I grew up in an majority like white area when I so clearly couldn't um, <laughs> and I and I rejected everything that made me special I rejected a lot of my culture and um, and it was only when I was about 15 16 that I owned it again and I realized that it's something I'm flipping proud of it is a core part mm-hmm. of who I am and to see young girls who I don't want to say inspired but maybe encouraged to do that earlier on is fantastic. Yeah. So proud to be Indian, proud to be brown, proud to be different. Yeah. Those are the kind of messages and like videos that, I, I, I've appreciated receiving. And especially, yeah. Simone, what you said about being dark-skinned
7: as yeah. well. You know, we we have, a, as much as we have like a racism and g- gender inequality issue, there is also a, a, a colorism uh, con- question that we have here in this industry as well, that we don't often get people who are, have darker
4: complexions mm-hmm. on screen mm-hmm. too
7: and looking as regal and beautiful <laughs> as you. Yeah.
4: And we had uh, such an amazing hair and makeup team and lighting Jeff on, on set that we didn't have to speak twice about you know the the color of our skin or being darker shades on screen mm-hmm. we were re- they really brought the best out in both of us to put it in a better way yeah. but I think it's what it's done it's created a safe space for these fans like I'm exactly the same as Teresa. I grew up um, predominantly in a, um, a school of um, white students and I was a minority and I didn't fit in. And I, I, I'm i sure many other um, brown girls went through this just being made fun of or just not feeling safe in owning yourself. And I have noticed that you see that within the fans now, like being stopped by Indian girls. And they're just really giggly and smiley and just, you know, saying, oh, my gosh, you're representing. And it's amazing. It's really powerful. And um, yeah, just really proud to be a part of that. But Um, even
6: little things, right? It's like I remember going to like dress-up parties, mm -hmm. like birthday parties, and not knowing who to dress up as. Yeah. Or for Halloween and being like, "God, everyone's going to laugh at me if I go as Cinderella because I clearly don't look like." Yeah. And I know it sounds so superficial. No, but to provide, like, someone can dress up as Kate or Edwina, right? Like, that's amazing. And those little things, those little experiences, really like they define young people growing up. And I always say that, like, we are all on a journey ourselves. Yeah, totally. It's easy to stand, like, on a pe- to be put on a pedestal and be like, you know, Indian girls to look at us and go, oh, like, look at them loving themselves, owning themselves. But I had a breakthrough moment when I came to LA because it was, like, the first time in my life that I've been out in this hot of a climate mm. without a hat on. Without stressing about walking in the shade, and it's like the show has helped me as much as I hope it's helped other people. Mm-hmm.
7: I, I know, I know that feeling of not worrying about you know getting too tired, and like running because you're like, of the well, you know, because that you know, as we're young people, that's something that people tell you, and you know, especially in the industry that you're in, it's like, okay, we're we're there's things, yeah, there's. We could dive deep into things like like the paperback. there's all kinds of things. But anyway, um, Nicola, for you, what has been the message that um, has really meant a lot from a fan that you've heard?
1: I think it's sort of an overarching thing of of, um, like, the amount of women that see themselves represented, the types of women, the ages of women. It's not just, that's what I think is really special about the show. I say this phrase about it all the time, but it's quietly revolutionary because it can seem, you know, very sweet and romantic and soft on the surface, but I'm like, look at all the things we're actually doing and look at all of the women we're allowing to, to show on television, you know, in all different forms and being complicated and messy and unlikable at moments and I think Shondaland have always been unafraid to do that and Bridgerton has you know continued on that tradition and taken it in a whole other way and it is and it is holding up a benchmark to the to the genre and going you know why are we making these all-white shows why are we doing this it's not representative. And the thing is, you look at Bridgerton and I, you know, made like a really facetious comment once saying like, you know, we can accept like a dragon in Game of Thrones but people go, oh, a black duke, that's too much for me yeah. to like, and you go, how stupid is that? Yeah. Why is it, It's not too much it's really not too much and they, yeah they, they, I think that's been the thing the amount the amount of different women that have seen themselves not like and I do get people coming up and going I'm you know I'm so Penelope and I, I feel invisible and I feel this but it's been I feel like there's some a character in there for every woman yeah. and I hope every man too because it you know it also examines like how damaging the patriarchy can be yeah. and the expectations put upon men and you know it's something I think Johnny Bailey did so brilliantly in this series of like you know trying to be that strong man and don't show emotion and don't all that stuff I feel like yeah you know, yeah. And it looks pretty well doing. I
7: mean, sometimes you need just pretty wrapping to to make (laughs) you go to these kind of darker, you know, deeper places Mm -hmm. inside yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk about some of season two, because Mm -hmm. you guys took us on a serious roller coaster. (laughs) Um, You know, what were some of the most magic moments for each of you? Um, Simone, I'll start with you. What, What would you say was your... If you had to pick a scene from season two, whether it be your favorite to have portrayed
4: or the reaction was your favorite? Can I say two? Yes! I can't say one. (laughs) And and two's like really trying it. Um, (laughs) One, um, I'll never forget riding horses with Johnny in Windsor Park um, when we filmed the scene where Kate and Anthony first meet um, in episode one. And I think we were out there for a week riding at dawn um and it was like springtime the sun was out it was beautiful and um johnny was on his horse jack and i was on mufasa and we just got this rhythm going and once we really warmed up into it we were just on these horses riding around playing out a scene and i just i yeah never ever imagined i would be doing a scene like that as um as an actress um so and i love that scene as well um i think um it's such a stars aligned moment for these two characters um right place right time and i love that we've brought that to screen because um i it is possible and it yeah it sparks the imagination of um just two people on these parallel journeys and then the second one i think is the coconut oil scene with um edwina and yes it's Obviously, it's a such a powerful scene because many women from different heritages can relate to that scene, that intimate um, moment between two sisters, um, two women applying coconut oil to to their hair. But for me, um, it it was the shift in the story and Teresa's performance. I mean, like, every time I watch it, I'm like, damn, oh my gosh! Like she, she Edwina really like comes to her own. Um, not she, she already was her own, but she these. Um, these barriers start to break down within her and then you see a shift in Kate. And I I just loved that scene. Um, it's one of my favourites. Um, yeah.
7: Well, because that is one of the major differences between the books and the series is is the way that the, the relationship between Kate and Edwina plays out and the way that there actually is much more of a love triangle in this situation and that, you know, there is so much of Edwina coming into her own... I don't know if that is among your favourite scenes, but what what... What are the
6: standout magic moments for you from this season? I've got two as well. Actually, I'm gonna give, give me two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so one of them is the Haldi scene because when we were filming it, I think every one of us knew that like we were sort of not to be dramatic, but we were sort of making history.
5: Yeah,
6: yeah. We were like, firstly, there's never been a scene of this color hue, like compositionally, there's never been a scene like this on Bridgeton before. But actually, I don't think we've seen a scene representing this ritual mm-hmm. on TV before. Um, so that was a super proud moment. And then the second one is, I think it has to be the races, just because that was Simone and I's first day on that set. That was really fun. It yeah. was very yeah, much like a- I'm so excited. I it, that the, scene. It was sunny and um, we met all of the cast yeah. um, for the first time that yeah, It day. was mad. Like, it was a real baptism of fire. Louis, and, fam, um, Sam. Louis yeah. and Sam. Louis and Sam. Yeah. Some sweet boys. So, so funny. Sweet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it was just, it was it was so much fun. And, yeah. That was day. really exciting. Wow. Oh, what a first day. I mean, it, it was yeah. a great first day. <laughs> first know. week.
4: Yeah.
7: yeah. It's really good. We talked earlier a little bit about the 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 expectation of taking over as the lead that's that's pretty intimidating that everybody is there this is a scene
6: where it's just like you're meeting everyone all at once a true baptism of fire but I kind of think it worked better yeah. because it felt like a bit of a party
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also for the Sharmas because it's you know it's life-imitating art in that you know they're thrown into London society and you're, you're thrown into exactly. the Bridgerton world so yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was so exciting that day because the thing is, like, I knew people had been waiting for these characters, you know, from the very beginning. So like that day, like seeing you both on set, and like mm. it was just so fun to like finally see it, you know, come
4: to life. You have a great scene. In that scene with um with Luke, when um Penelope's like walking around, she pretends not to see. Oh yeah,
6: yeah. I know. That. It's, I love those like <laughs> little silly
1: moments. I know but she's she, so silly. She thinks she's so slick. but she is so slick <laughs>
6: yeah, in, is. in other ways.
1: Yeah, she other is.
7: Ways. Yeah. I mean, it was a complete surprise. I know it was a bit of a surprise to you at first uh, that Penelope ends well. That Penelope is Lady Whistledown. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It yeah. was. It was you do a good job of of throwing folks off the scent.
1: <laughs> well, it's funny because in season one, I kind of because I I knew from from the beginning of filming, but I kind of thought I really ca- I have to be so careful with how I play this. In that, and there needs to be enough there for fans to look back and go, Ah, I see it in that moment. But you couldn't, you know, have me there with you know some binoculars and an outfit being <laughs> like, like, Okay, okay, quill. cool, right? i be <laughs> writing about it. yeah. So that's the fun of going into season two, having revealed it. And like, you know, I think it was like a controversial decision in some ways because the book fans were like, it's not revealed until book four. And it's not. But the thing is, certain things that work really well in the books on TV, it won't translate in the same way, you know, and also like hidden identities on television, the longer you draw them out. There was it, very rarely you get a satisfying reveal. Yeah. Very rarely. The more you know,
6: loopholes there are. Yeah, that's
1: it. And trying to work around it. And also it's like distracting from the main narrative. Once you know, you know, and you can focus on what the main story is. But like, it was very fun getting to play all those different sides to her because she's such a ball of contradictions, you know?
7: Well, I, w- I want to, of course, ask about Penelope and Eloise's storyline yes, this season. Yes. I mean, it is not just all about, you know, writing scandal sheets. Yeah. Uh, it, there's a real breakdown of this friendship. Yeah. Um, you know, what was that experience like uh, bringing that part to screen? Because it's not something the book fans are, at least at this point, yeah. familiar with. Yeah.
1: You know what? It was. It was a difficult thing because... I love their relationship and I love working with Claudia. She's such a generous, wonderful actor. So we're like, they should never fall out and everything should just be fine. But then you have to think about what in real life if your best friend had been writing stories about you and your family. It's such an insane level of betrayal. So we didn't know, we didn't get all the scripts at once. So I didn't know that was happening at the end. But there were certain little things that I kind of thought. There was one that actually got cut from the final the final episode, but the final cut, I should say. It was in one of the first episodes where, you know, Penelope's really hammering home to Eloise. Like, did you go to the princess? Like, you can't lie to me. And I remember in the day I said, and I would rarely question lines because the writing is so tight. But I said, you know, why did she say that? Like, I just don't really get. And they said, look, we want that in because of something that happens later. And Claudia and I looked at one another and went, oh, no. Oh, no, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And that scene of the fallout was just like heartbreaking to film because they're so ugly to one another in that moment you know they're so yeah because you know Penelope she gives up Whistledown for Eloise but I think she's like because she's someone who's hurt who's so hurt that she I think she allows herself a little a little grace in times when she shouldn't you know what I mean she's like well it's fine that I'm doing all this lying because I'm just doing that, da 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 it's all fine you know, putting in a box somewhere else. Why don't have to think about it right now? You know? <laughs> but yeah, it comes out of that moment. Yeah, it was heartbreaking to film that. Heartbreaking. And of course, now that then has implications on Pollen. Yeah, I know, right? Because <laughs> I was like, okay, that's the first lie. So that's out of the way. And then, oh, by the way, I'm secretly in love with your brother, have been forever and totally want to marry the guy. Yeah.
7: And will, I mean, maybe,
1: I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, Yeah, I mean... There's definitely yeah the relationship's gonna develop. <laughs> I can't imagine <laughs> that. Eloise too might.
4: much for two seasons. Can't wait to know, see where where else it goes. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's time it happens. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's the thing. Like you know, we're we're changing the the book order, and when when I found out that was the case, you know, I was not expecting it. I thought it was a general call from Jess just to say, hey, I'm gonna be the new showrunner, and but she said, look, we've we've seen them for for two yeah. seasons you know, we've we've progressed them and they want, I think, more time as well with Benedict to kind of develop because he's such an amazing character. And I think another year of single Benedict is going to be... A delight. He brings the fun. Yeah. He brings the, the fun. The for us, everything. He can. He kind of like can explore the underworld of London. So but yeah, I think if you had one more season of Penelope fawning over this dude, you'd be like, get over it, girl. Like, yeah. <laughs> I be like, what is this dude doing? How am yeah, I like, still not noticed? Yeah. How does he still not notice? We're like, yeah. So I think it's the right time. <laughs> also,
6: one of the beauties of Bridgerton is there is, of course, this main love story, but there are so many wonderful oh. side stories oh, yeah. as well that yeah. like other characters can be explored. So you know. Really? Well,
7: speaking of other characters being explored, I mean, we—the queen mentions that she has a, a single prince nephew. Um, that's not who Edwina ends up with in the books, but
6: do could we maybe see a, a date with the prince, a promenade? I don't know. So we, you know, it's a large production and it's a large world. It's London. It's a lot of people, <laughs> and so I think that you know i hope the show continues for eight plus seasons you know maybe we'll see Anthony's children going through the yeah. season you know like who knows and the thing is um it's it's a wonderful environment to pop in and out whenever so even if not this season it could be another year down the line or like whatever but we all exist yeah. in this in world, world yeah and that's what we say yeah
7: all right with with we will be seeing more canthony you guys um <laughs> It was it was a very it was a very slow burn season, but in in a way of, you know, kind of reminiscent of like a pride and prejudice with 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 Darcy and and um with Elizabeth. Um, you know, what, what did you make of kind of like the audience response? What did they hit on that you guys were hoping to put onto the screen, I guess I should say? Um,
4: I think well, I, I I don't think that either of us, Johnny or I, um, ever like expected, oh, this scene's gonna like hit and, you know, this is gonna be the most response to this. We we never mm-hmm. worked like that. But um, I think um we just always rooted for Kate and Anthony and um we believed in them so much and understood um that all their idiosyncrasies and the obstacles that they're entrapped in within the society and um you know the complications in the story this love triangle um and this battle between duty and heart and i think um it's a slow burn um because of all those factors and then when they they do um go on this journey of self-realization and change and growth and surrender to love with one another then it's it's really earned when they do have their their moments of intimacy together or romance together and mm-hmm. happiness together um and i think um Yeah, I'd like to think that that's what's resonated with the audience and kept them on the edge of their seats um, and rooting for them and wondering when it's actually going to happen. And I I think it was just so important for both of us that um, they were above all else putting their family first that they had such strong priorities and they they're two incredibly complicated characters that um aren't used to putting their own heart first or listening to their own heart or understanding it i mean even daphne has to spoon feed anthony like he says what what feeling is that and she's like duh it's love and he's like oh really um (laughs) so yeah um yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've answered the question. But. No, you
7: have, you have. But I will ask a follow-up question. Was there anything that happened in the books that didn't happen on screen yeah. that you wish would have happened yes. or vice versa?
4: Okay, so there's one of my favourite scenes. And actually, so when I was reading this, I was on my own in my apartment and I actually, well, okay, I'll start here. So it's the scene where um, Anthony's um, in his office and he's with... Um, not with Sienna, but in the books, I can't remember. With her the name. opera singer, oh, with the opera yeah, yeah, yeah the and opera she's singer. hiding yeah, yeah. yeah. under the desk. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And Kate comes in and she's hiding under. Well, she comes in <laughs> first. She's hiding under the desk, and then it gets a little bit brutal. Like Anthony steps on her foot, and she bites his knee. And then the opera singer leaves, and then Kate's like, "Oh God!" And then like, <laughs> and then Anthony like gets her out the desk, and he like, you know. Um, they have like an argument and Kate's like oh god like you know I'm, I'm really in trouble here and then it, it and she the whole thing with Kate is not surrendering not giving in not being like one of those girls that's just going to feed his ego like she's quite stoic in that sense and he gets her and he gets to her and I think the line in that scene and in that chapter it ends with um, something and then it says and Anthony knew Kate and Anthony knew at this moment that he had won and I remember reading it and I was like no <laughs> and then I put it down. i'm always rooting for kate in the in the series we see her shut him down and have all these amazing liners of just you know telling him what's up uh-huh. and then in that in that chapter i wish that that came to the series um and i remember talking to chris about it but the books are just a phenomenal source of inspiration for chris's amazing writing but that was one of my favorite scenes um I don't know, maybe we can replicate it in season three in a different way, who knows.
7: I, they're always yeah, competitive, so there'll be something exactly. for them. <laughs> you know, it's, yes, yeah, it's the Ellen. competition
4: <laughs> between them is so primal. They're both incredibly primal characters, and I think that's what makes them so fun oh, yeah, in yeah. moments yeah. like that. Um, yeah.
7: All right, Nicola, I know you can't say too much about yes. the Journey, um, but so we had Steamy Steamy, we had Slow Burn. How would you characterize the relationship between... Um, Colin,
1: <laughs> Penelope, and Colin. Do you know what I'm? I'm really excited for it. I think because we've had two seasons of build up, it's probably going to be the former. I would imagine.
6: Oh.
1: Um, but as I said, I haven't read the scripts. So I've just been given an overview. Uh, overview. Um, but I think I'm really excited. I'm excited to see Penelope at the beginning because I'm really glad. that Funny you're talking about scenes from the book that you want to include. I really wanted the scene in which he said he he didn't like her in there. I really wanted that. And I t- Luke and I talked to Chris and I was like, is that is that going in? And he said, look, we, we put it in and we took it out like more times than I can count. But I felt like that's so pivotal because up until that point, she has him on this. Pedestal. She thinks he's infallible. He's perfect. He can't do anything wrong. And you're never going to have a relationship with someone if you view them in that way. So he has to, you know, and I don't think he's as savage in that moment as people perceive him to be. I think he's more like he's someone who, like, very openly doesn't have a purpose. And he's been kind of this hero in that moment. And he's like really feeling himself and he's drinking. He's around these dudes. And I think, you know, he's seen Penelope as his. Little sister's best friend, and like his pen pal, and like he's like, I'm with you, like that. I would never, whatever. And I think, but like, Penelope has been, I think, in season two, telling herself, like, we're falling in love. Yeah. This is what's happening. You're like, like been pen pals. Like, he's gonna read my yeah, beautiful you're, like, prose. You're like, <laughs> no, no, you, you're, it's in your head. <laughs> like a little bit. So, you know, it's a little bit, yeah, because at the yeah, end, she's like, we're gonna, like, when he takes her away, he's like, oh, we're gonna kiss, this is gonna happen. It's so not that for him, but I'm excited to, you know, her to like, have a bit more, like, just self-respect and belief to go like, you know, I deserve something and I deserve someone better. Like, you know, as I said, I haven't read it. So this is just what I would like, but yeah, I would like to see them on more of an even level where she doesn't see him as this perfect guy and she sees herself as worthy. And
4: yeah, you know, we need a monologue for you. Like I've, for three seasons, I've yeah, been I've your been friend. In,
1: yeah, I've been. like, yeah. yeah. Like, how dare you say that about me? In front of Fife, that guy?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
7: Well, you know, one of the kind of more controversial elements of their relationship has been that, you know, Colin starts to fall for Penelope because she has somewhat of a glow up. Yeah. You know, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what do you know about how you guys will be touching on that storyline, or if you will be touching on that storyline.
1: I think the Globe is more going to be to do with The costumes and stuff, to be honest. And like, because I think it's been such a big part of Penelope's character that she's so overdone. Like, it's like the crazy hair and the yellow and, uh, you know, like 20 bows in the front of her head, like all that kind of stuff. So I think it's not going to be like this insane physical transformation. It's like, and it's always been like, I've, Teresa and I had a big discussion about this earlier, but it's always really difficult as an actor to separate yourself and your looks. And all of that, it's such, um, we were talking about how complex it is. Because, you know, I would say to people, like, if I go and say, like, I'm going to become a bodybuilder and I'm going to cover myself in tattoos, that's my prerogative. You know what I mean? So it's a difficult thing to think about, you know, that there's going to be a glow up and what does that mean? And sort of, but like I always, my hope is always that it will be more about the acting and the story. And I think we have such an amazing amazing costume designer this year John Glazer who worked on season one with Ella Mirajnik and I've seen like there's sort of a new cut of Penelope's dresses and everything because I mean they had I mean they had my boobs up high for (laughs) two seasons so they were like you know they're just going to be at a normal human level I was like well that makes me really happy
6: Yeah.
1: (laughs) yeah so it's and I think yeah you know and the books were written 20 years ago so you know there's probably certain things in there that you know times have changed and attitudes Towards women have changed, so you know it's like about. And I think Julia Quinn is amazing about you know how her source material is adapted, Absolutely. and it's adapted you know for now for twenty twenty two. So we'll see. But as I said, I haven't read scripts, so a lot of it is me <laughs> speculating.
7: And I think a lot of that too is like the fan reaction is well. Also, why why is that necessary? It wouldn't be necessary. Absolutely, Nelope is incredible. He's just lucky to be yeah. In and the same to like
1: open. It. And the thing is, they get on so well. Like I love the scenes of the two of them. Where they are standing on the edge of the ballroom, like having like a little bitch and like judging other people. (laughs) I'm like, they're like the same person in that respect. They totally, you know, yeah, they're going to be like, I see them like really old, just sitting around, like having a little laugh about whatever. (laughs) But yeah, but she, she wasn't in season one or two. She was not in the position to be with him at all, nor was he in the position to be with her. Like, you know, as someone said, it's right place, right time. And I think she's got to get to a certain place where that can be a reality. Yeah.
7: Well, I can't wait to see how this continues to develop um, because this show is entirely addictive because you all make it so rich. Thank so you. Thank really you. just imbue it with just such such love and such depth. And thank you all so much for oh, chatting with so us. Having thank you us. so uh, nice having to, having to meet you. you
3: That's Bridgerton stars Nicola Coughlin, Simone Ashley, and Sharitha Chandran. Catch up on season two right now on Netflix. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to variety.com and click on the award circuit tab to find the latest Emmy predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tank, A, Emily Longaretta, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit.